thank you for joining XRO, which is India's first ARVRMR podcast. Today, I have with me Ashwin Jay Shankar, who is the CEO of Autoverse. So, thank you, Ashwin. It's a pleasure to have you on uh, XRO podcast. What drove you into getting into this technology? Why do you think this is such an exciting field? And how and when did you start Autoverse? Firstly, thanks a lot, Eddie, for having me on the on the podcast. Um, I mean, I enjoy talking about VR uh, around. 2015, I think around summer of 2015 uh, was when I was just sort of uh, finishing college. I was doing, I was interning um, at uh, Center for Artificial Intelligence and Robotics at, with DRDO, right? And um, just trying to figure out what I'm doing next. Um, so I used used to go um, to a few hackathons with with just a group of friends from college, right? And uh, there was this particular hackathon called the NASA Space Apps Hackathon. NASA just conducts like a hackathon which has centers across the world and Bangalore was a center at that point. Um, and we just, just on a whim, we decided, um, that we signed up for it, we were planning on going. And a week or so prior to that, I mean, I'd heard of virtual reality, the Google Cardboard was very popular then and it was around what, 300 rupees that you could just order off Amazon, 300, 350 rupees. So um, I just bought one and, and we, we weren't planning on building anything in VR for it, but uh, we just, I mean, coincidentally on the day of the hackathon, the Google Cardboard got delivered. Um, and so we turned up at the hackathon place. We just tried on uh, the Google Cardboard. So it was a cardboard authority where you slip your phone into it. Right? And obviously now it's not a great experience at all. But at that point in, in 2015, we tried it and, and it, it blew our minds, right? Like we just, we just, really liked it and we were like it's okay um we just like over the course of this hackathon the two-day hackathon we're just going to build something for this um so nasa basically what they do is so the curiosity rover that they have on mars um every every day or rather every mars day which is a soil so it it sends back photos right and there are 360 degree photos that it sends back as well and nasa actually has an open api where you can download these photos and so we sort of built an app where you could, I mean, you, we basically took these 360 photos that the Curiosity Row was sending back, uh, put it in virtual reality. And so when you wore it, you would actually feel like you are riding that Curiosity Rover across um, like the Martian surface as it is traveling like day by day, right? And so we called it um, Marvin, uh, the the Martian tour, Marvin, the Martian tour guide, or something like that. But more importantly, it was, I think there were a few extremely high resolution images where when you put it, you just look like you wore it and you just looked up at like at the Milky Way and like it just looked fantastic. Like it felt like you were on Mars. Um, and so that was just so exciting. And I think most, like most of the people who you might have met who are working in this field are probably. Like I probably come up with just a similar moment where they experience it for the first time and they're just like, oh, I need to work in this space. I don't, you, you don't really, and I mean, that's kind of like the beauty of the medium, right? Yeah, There exactly. are a lot of drawbacks, a yeah. lot of like constraints, a lot of obstacles to get through. But that, that feeling you get when you just experience it for the first time and consequently, obviously something that over the last five years, like, as we've demoed to like thousands of people, um that's what keeps you good like you when they put on the headset that moment of wonder the wow they feel and then once they take it off just have your mind is racing with the possibilities of what this can do for them uh, that's 
fundamentally what got us into this. Early 2016-ish, um, in January, where we met one of uh, my friends, he worked at Tata, at Tata Motors and he was, um, he had a, he, he was working very closely with their design team, right? And these automotive designers, um, they, we found a use case where virtual reality would help make their lives extremely easy. And uh, that's sort of where Autoverse got started. We just, um, so, so to get into that a little further, basically how the automotive design process works is, uh, so these designers would first just make these cool sketches. I don't know if you've seen these concept cars, right? Which gets released at the Auto Expo, these super sleek cars, which, which, which never make it to, to the real world, but they just look very cool. So, so these, so every car, like even your Indica and everything started off with such a cool design. Um, and th- so this was the team that, pr- that is responsible for creating these designs. So their process is typically they'd make sketches, then they'd use a tool, uh, some Autodesk tool typically, um, to create like a 3d model of that. But then when you're showing it to senior management, they wouldn't really show, um, th- the, they wouldn't show the design like as a 3D model on a 2D screen because it's not really easy for a layman to understand how that is. You don't really understand how big the car is, what it feels like to sit in the steering wheel, things like that. So when they have these design reviews, what they would do is make a, a clay model of the car, like a life-size clay model, or some will be like 25% scale, 50% scale, etc. Uh, and this was a this is a very time-consuming process takes anywhere between a month to three months to manufacture each of these models. And uh, also, I mean, lots of man hours uh, that, that go into it, right? And the whole design process, as a result, the iterations are quite slow. So with virtual reality, what you could do was take these 3D models, drag and drop it. I mean, what we wanted to build was a tool that you could just drag and drop this, and then put on the headset, you see the car in front of you, you can walk around it, you can open the door. Um, and now because it's virtual reality, it doesn't need to look like clay anymore. You can make it look realistic, like see it in all different colors, different types of paints, inside of the car, like inside the car, different textures would see all these you could do. You could also see it in different environments, right? Um, on the beach, in the hills, in a city, wherever, whatever it is. And again, the next thing that it unlocks for you is also collaborating across countries. So Tata in this case had offices in Pune, in Italy, and in England. And they, they actually used to fly down these life-size clay models from one place to another um, to get like to, to work with the designers. But now with virtual reality, one person there wears a headset, one person in Pune wears a headset, one person in England wears a headset. All of a sudden they're in the same virtual space and they can just they can walk around the same design and discuss it. So uh, a virtual reality design review tool was what we set out to build. Um, and that's sort of where Autoverse began. Initially, we just started by building like a few, you know, like a beta, pro- uh, like prototypes. We were still all working at our, like, at our day jobs and just doing this in the night part-time. But we had sort of set ourselves a goal that in 100 days, we will build a beta that we will get buy-in uh, from, from this from the designers in your Tata. And um, yeah, I mean, that went pretty well. Um, they they really liked the product and that's when we sort of quit full time and decided to start out with us. 
lovely lovely yeah so this, this augmented reality virtual reality it, it can transform so many industries it's not funny if we are just at the cusp of kind of figuring out problems that could be solved with this technology like you said i mean you know right now i think besides you guys there are there are these big automobile companies which are actually leveraging virtual reality for collaboration and design across the world you know right from ford chevrolet and there's so many other companies uh, you also pointed out that uh, uh, when you first discovered virtual reality that you know that whole experience it, it, it's only when you experience this technology is when you're convinced about it no matter how much we talk about it you know there are places where i've gone spoken yeah. universities and conferences and and i i i i i i paint the picture of what the world will look like in another few years but it's only when they actually put the headset and experience them it themselves that's when they understand that oh wow this is what this guy was talking about yeah. so that how transformational this technology is like you my journey began a little late i got into virtual reality in 2016 we built our own 16 cam uh, vr rig and we thought that we would take the product to the market but we didn't have neither the uh, the resources neither yeah. the the funding and neither was the ecosystem ready at this point of time but because of covid things have changed now suddenly everybody is talking about this technology and i think in another 5 10 years the world and india is going to look completely different because all of these uh, technologies which is converging together so now i think it's no longer just augmented reality virtual reality mixed reality or 5g or ai or iot blockchain somehow all of these technologies are converging together and it's going to create huge it's it's, it's going to open up huge economical benefits for all industry verticals As, yeah. as somebody who's uh, who's a startup who's vested in this space, I see you that you have taken smart decisions of pivoting from automobile design to where you are. You're doing so many other things. So, how what is is the role that COVID has played in, in accelerating all of these technologies? And what would be your message to entrepreneur uh, to entrepreneurs? and enterprises out there playing a wait and watch game should they enter into uh, the game right now and start leveraging all of these technologies okay so uh, yeah first i think to address what you were saying at the beginning about how um, you need to experience vr to really understand what it is i think that's been one of the um main obstacles that vr has faced uh, regarding it's i mean just people it's not easy to communicate what vr is to people with just words or even videos right a screen recording of what you're seeing in vr is a very poor um people once people see a, a video of a vr experience they think they know what it's about um but it's it's entirely different when you actually wear the headset and i think that's something which has hurt vr uh, vr's growth right because a lot of people and i mean there are a lot of people who are cynical and like who are, who are skeptical about what um, vr can actually do that is just a passing fad that we had a similar period in the 90s when vr was everywhere like 
VR was being talked about everywhere. And like, this is just another false one. But um, I think this is like, this is one of the main reasons why is because it's not easy for someone to get excited uh, by VR by just without actually trying it. And there are actual, um, like, the, there are only so few high quality VR headsets out there in the world right now. Like, even if you ignore the Google Cardboard, right? Um, that I think is not true VR. Sure, it can excite a few people. And it did excite like a whole generation of people in 20, I mean, uh, in from yeah, 2013 to 2015 kind of thing. But they, that's because we all knew the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive was coming in, uh, in 2016, where you would have like a proper. Um, virtual reality asset where you could actually walk around in a 3D world it, it, and you could like, interact with 3D objects. It wouldn't just be sort of like sit in one place with, a, with I mean, sort of just being in a, in a giant sphere without any sense of scale or presence, right? That's what the old headsets are. The problem is that even right now today, um, there are maybe around 15, 15 million, maybe 15 to 20 million at most um, headsets out there, like VR headsets out there in the world as a whole, right? And so not many people have actually experienced a proper VR experience for themselves. Not enough people, I'd say. And that, that number is always going to be capped by, like, I mean, by this small VR market size. Now, it's, it's, it's growing at a steady pace, but nowhere near the kind of explosion that we saw with the smartphone industry, let's say, um, which is what people are comparing VR to. And on the other hand, taking augmented reality, augmented reality is something which translates very well into video, right? Um, if you've seen the Microsoft HoloLens advertisements, um, AR almost looks better in, in, in a video recording of it than in the actual device, because I, I know if you've seen the, the HoloLens, uh, videos which have um, which which advertise the nfl right so i think microsoft signed up uh, an agreement with the nfl to have the hololens and so they shot this very high production quality ad with vfx and everything um and what it makes it seem like is that you could wear a headset you're looking at an at an nfl match on the tv and the player sort of like every time maybe like some some player is focused on his character will walk out of the, the screen. Um, on the table in front of you, you can see the field from a top view and all the players running around. And this looks very cool. Uh, but when you wear a AR headset, that's not what's happening right now at all. Your, your field of view is very small. So even if uh, it's capable, I mean, what you see is like, basically, I think the, the metric is something like a 35-inch TV placed four feet away from your face. Is, is where you see this magic happening, but that's just a little window, not all around you. Um, and so I think AR had the opposite, like head-mounted AR had the, had the opposite problem where the videos look great, but then the, the experience actually didn't live up to it. And VR, where the experience is great, it's hard to convey to people um, what it's like. We're slowly figuring our way around these things. And like you said, now with, with COVID, um, and I think also largely in part due to just the sheer amount of money Facebook has invested in creating like this next generation of VR headsets, right? Uh, which are portable, which are small, which are easy to set up and also invested a lot of money in creating content. Plus pe like people, developers and designers just becoming better at understanding what works in VR over the last four years. 
we and i mean it's it like now that uh, i think that awareness of what we are capable of um, is increasing a lot and also the number of devices out there are increasing i think we would have been at around um, 4 million headsets this time last year before the oculus quest one launched and then suddenly now we are around 15 million ish right uh, and so a lot of people are are now are talking more about vr and are experiencing it for themselves and so we're seeing this resurgence in it i think you know you, we are over expecting out of a technology which is in a nascent stage you told me about the numbers that uh, the headset numbers you know like around 14 15 million headsets that we have but i think that's steadily growing and i don't think we should push it too much because these technologies are extremely transformational there are people who are be building virtual reality worlds and maybe maybe in another few decades this technology is so potential that the next generation of humans would prefer to live in virtual reality worlds because of the potential it could offer it could offer you the opportunity to change identities it would offer you if you are an enterprise to not spend in building offices it, it, it could help you save that money it could help you save travel you know there, there are so many things that this technology could completely transform so i could i think that we should go very easy on this technology uh, Uh, Mark Zuckerberg mentioned that he is working on getting a billion people in VR, and it's it's looking exciting. You you said about the headsets. I think just a couple of years back, the first uh, Oculus uh, VR headset was including with the hardware because it was a tethered uh, uh, device, including the computers and everything. It 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 was somewhere around would go to somewhere around two thousand to three thousand dollars. Right now, in another four five years. It it's come to ten x price down. Now it's come to just three hundred dollars. Yeah. And I and and yeah, yeah. The and no, and that's that. Have that here. Yeah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. And and I think in another few years, I won't be surprised if we converge or we we stop carrying or or. Our laptops and our phones, and maybe it'll be just one single wearable device. How the transition. can or might happen is anybody's guess but i think it's it's a natural progression because the way technology is growing we are going to uh, there is going to be a huge transition we are going to be entering the spatial world i know it somehow gets very difficult and overwhelming to explain that or computers or tvs or all our medium or, or, or devices have been restricted as a 2d medium it is going to break into the 3d medium we are getting into a world with iot sensors artificial intelligence everything physical is going to be digitized and we are i mean no matter how much i try to explain that we are going to break off barriers from the 2d world and to get into the 3d world even or 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 internet is going to be 3d is very difficult to kind of fathom or understand for a common person who is not really be invested in the space so though these are the things which really excite me and that's the reason i've been doing whatever i've been doing you know right from immersion vr fest to xrom digital news magazine the podcast or the xr bazaar because i believe that 
once this technology starts maturing it will completely completely transform mankind you started you saying back in 2015 from 2015 to 2020 what have been the challenges and what are the opportunities that you see right now and and what do you think is the problem with india's ar vr industry what can be done to build a cohesive sustainable and thriving ar vr ecosystem here in india the challenges and and obstacles okay so so kind of like i think going back to what you brought up first regarding just the potential of what this can do right um i think just um, something that 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 i got reminded of at that point was i think this uh, speech i'd seen i'd seen a while back um by the 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 leap motion pto i think he was just talking about how so as in when when we were growing up right uh maybe you played and you to played with a with a tennis ball or cricket ball whatever it is um but just kind like as, as children just seeing the the like say you take a ball and just bounce it right um we played so much with the ball that by the time maybe after a few months or even a few years now someone bounces a tennis ball at you and bounces really high you sort of instantly like you're not realizing it but you're calculating sort of that you know how the ball bounces how it goes up and where it's going to land and your brain is doing all this so you and can anticipate that sort of flight path of the ball right whatever this 2d projectile motion that is doing or, or how it bounces off the ground and come but this kind of classical mechanics um, it's very you have an intuitive understanding of it so that even if i just like if you're looking away at me and i just call you and i throw a ball at you you'll almost instantly catch it um now what he was saying was now say that this new generation of children who might be born in the next like 10 to 20 years when vr devices become um, as prevalent as uh, smartphones are today um now you are no longer limited like they will be able to sort of summon whatever they want right now and say maybe instead of playing with balls and stuff like that you get like literal galaxies in front of you and you collide these or like you collide stars and things which are like you know just the physics of gravitational bodies or say quantum mechanics like these kind of things which are it's difficult for for me definitely to wrap my head around i don't understand how that works uh, intuitively um uh, but say if those kids when they are 2 3 4 they are already playing with these things then what sort of um i mean what, the, the kind of potential that is is left to be unlocked in mankind is what this can this can do so that was just something interesting that that is always like i mean excite me like like a very um solid use case as such right of this technology it makes it makes something possible that we would have never imagined um growing up uh and so yeah but that is still a ways off talking about now how do we get to that point and the challenges obstacles that we that we face um i think one was maybe yeah because people expecting a lot more from the technology right now there was this whole vr hype cycle because oculus was bought for 2 billion dollars in 2014 immediately a lot of excitement around there they launched a first device in 2016 it's great but people were sort of expecting an iphone type growth curve and obviously it didn't match up to that and so immediately the narrative changes to vr is dead vr is terrible vr is dead all this nonsense um but like there was still a very strong community strong ecosystem building apps 
um, and building experiences and toying around with uh, with VR and AR during the last four years, right? And that's a small group, but that's steadily growing. Uh, and so we can say that it definitely. Um, I think so. So the parallel I like to draw is I think people are always comparing. Like what they're looking for is for VR to explode the way smartphones did in two thousand seven. Um, but that's not the case because I, these are almost two entirely different. I mean, obviously, they're two entirely different situations. The smartphone didn't expect; they need you to understand an entirely new, um, almost technological paradigm. Right? You, you were already it, it. Also, on a more fundamental level, it didn't ask you to spend on an entirely new kind of gadget. Right? There was always you were always buying a phone. Suddenly, one day, Apple launched the iPhone, and phones became ten x better. Right, and the GPS came and all these things, and then the whole app ecosystem behind that, yeah, Uber, and then eventually, um, I guess like social media is coming on it, and like, I mean, I don't need to get into smartphone revolution, but we, but we know that. But um, fi- fundamentally, it was still people who were were in the habit of buying phones. I mean, cell phones every few years. It just became so much better that spawned the whole developer ecosystem and all the billion dollar companies there, and we went from. Like the iPhone in two thousand seven to I guess in like tier two, tier three towns, rural India also now everyone has a smartphone, right? Um, in within twelve, thirteen years, um, with VR, that I don't think we can plan for that kind of a trajectory. Uh, it will. I think we need to go back to say the last time a device like this came in, which required people to understand. Uh, I mean, to sort of buy an entirely new kind of of gadget, and I think. Uh, what I like to take as a parallel is when the PC launched in in nineteen, like let's say the Apple II launched, right? I think nineteen eighty to eighty to something like that. Um, but at that point, even though the PC launched, um, the price points also were very similar to the Oculus Rift, right? I think at that point, even more actually, it was around a thousand dollars at that point, and a similar Rift and Vive, like a first generation VR headset, which launched in um, twenty sixteen, were around. Eight hundred dollars each, but with like you said, you need a whole computer with a with a, like a gaming laptop with a big graphics card, all these kind of things. Around fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars you need to spend to have VR in twenty sixteen. Um, so PCs also were like this back in nineteen eighty, and then they didn't really become like or say let's take as a metric when was the first like say um, like hundred million dollar company that where Adobe's and Microsofts were building software. For uh, the PC, and that took seven years, right? So from I would say first generation or second, like second generation PCs, you took seven years to get to that point, and then another seven, eight years for it to sort of get into every household. And maybe that's a better like metric to judge VR against. Um, also, a lot has changed in the world. The internet, etc., was not there. So I think we can expect VR to be a little faster than that, and obviously because this. The sheer money Facebook has invested in this, we got like you said the Oculus Quest. I in 2016, people wouldn't have expected a device like this for at least seven, eight years, right? Uh, and we got it in in three years. In 2019, the Quest launched. In 2020, like it's fallen by hundred dollars more. It went from four hundred dollars last year to three hundred dollars this year, um, and it's smaller. It's more like whatever it is. Um, but in four years, we've already made a lot of progress. So now going down this line, I think it's very clear that. First of all, like if you're setting almost like milestones for VR, um, 
like obviously Zuckerberg has his own a billion people in VR kind of, but I think that's too far off the plan part. It's more like why will what will these one billion people do in VR? Right? We're not sure of. So um, the way I think, um, the way I see it is first let's compare it to, and it's very clear right now. The best use case for VR is gaming, right? Um, it's it's also like an entirely new form of gaming where you're actually in a new world. Suddenly, um, it's like it's no longer games that you are playing on a smartphone or like using a mouse and keyboard for. You are actually present there, like a sword fight in VR. Is literally, yeah. you swinging your athleticism comes in, and obviously, um, like Beat Saber is the biggest, like. I guess success story for a VR game, right? And not just a game; it's also, I mean, I use it for fitness. Like it's a great exercise, and that's what during the pandemic I've been uh, playing almost on a daily basis, right? Um, but it's basically games where your entire body is in a game, uh, and so uh, at that point, immediately it becomes fine. Let's come. Let's let's imagine this as a gaming console. How far does VR have to go? So, uh, if you look at your PS5, like your PlayStation and Xboxes, there are around um, 300 million to four, 300 to 400 million of those devices out there. We are right now around 15, 20 million. So, how soon will we get to those kind of numbers here? Uh, with the Quest 2, we've even got the price down to. I mean, cheap, it's, it's at this point is cheaper than the new generation of consoles. You know, the PS5 and Xbox are 399, 499 dollars each, and the Quest is already. Two ninety nine dollars, right? So the only thing stopping from stopping people from buying it right now is literally you need to get your really big, um, your popular games, your AAA games on the platform. You need to have more must have games on it. And um, so Half Life Alex release uh, release earlier this year, right? And that is a a proper AAA game studio Valve releasing one of the most coveted, um, like their most coveted IPs as a VR game. Um, and it was, I think, Half-Life 2 came out in 2004 or something like that. But 16 years and down the line, they've released it in VR, and that game is, it's, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, a game studio who knows what they're building, who knows how what this technology can do, and they put this out. I mean, obviously, they've taken years to build this. Valve have been working in this space for a long time, but um, when that released in March, it's inspired so many more VR devs, and obviously. So many more game studios to build. Uh, I mean, to port their popular franchises now into virtual reality. And so now you're seeing like Ubisoft, your uh, uh, Rockstar games, like you're going to see EA. All your big game developers are going to start. But nowadays, just to create a normal game takes anywhere between two to eight years. Like most of these, I mean, like GTA Five and. Red Dead Redemption 2. Those those games took eight years to build with massive teams, like 500 to 1,000 people working on. VR right now, the market is so small that companies aren't ready to commit that much to it yet. But they're starting now, and these kind of games will, I think, this year now we got maybe two or three titles, and only one on the scale of Half-Life Alex, uh, and a lot of smaller 10, 20, 30, 40 person game studios building content for it. But over the next few years, you're going to see a lot more of these. Like now, Medal of Honor is coming out on the Quest very soon, and so that's going to see a lot more coming. And this portfolio, this the content on the Quest is going to keep growing um, over the next few years, and we're going to see that exponential sort of adoption start happening. But if you take the exponential adoption again at this point, it still will take around four or five years for us to. I mean, best case scenario, 
for us to get to PS4 Xbox levels. But the magic of VR, of course, is that gaming is, I mean, gaming is not the only use case there. The next case that you look for is productivity and just like, like, I mean, using it as a daily tool in your office, right? Uh, and there, I think, let's compare it now to like laptops. So consoles were around 300, 400 million. Laptops and, or, or computers, let's take those. Um, that caps out at around a billion, right? So what can VR do for you? Like, can VR add to your everyday, um, like, just, it, it needs to become a necessity for you to work, right? Um, and at that point, we can start aiming for, like, a market cap of a billion devices. Um, so for that, what can VR do right now? I think you already stated it. What it can do is you don't know, you no longer need to go to an office. You can just put on a headset. You're in a virtual office. Your colleagues are all around you. Um, more fundamentally, like at a at a lower level, you can like you can have as a monitor the size of I know a theater, right? Which is just easier to work with. Or you can have four or five monitors. Um, even you're like like reimagining a VR OS. Why should you have a mouse and, key and like a mouse to and like file explorers on a 2D where you can actually have, I don't think it's practical, but you can have like a file filing cabinet where you can um op like you can open it up and and go through your files or you can just organize like in Sherlock they have that memory palace right, but you can organize your information in that way maybe so data visualization these kind of things you can do. Obviously, like I said with automotive, there are specific pro professions like automotive design or um like say just product design, whatever, right? Uh, where it offers so much more already. So these, in these professions, you're going to see it like adoption go. Uh, I mean, entertainment, like, um, so for the man, like, I think for the Mandalorian, for the new Lion King movie, um, like the, the entire, I think setting, uh, and virtual production. sort of like, yeah, virtual production was done in VR, right? In a VR headset. Uh, so, so you're going to see, um, I mean, again, as these kind of apps, become more popular, people are going to start using it for work every day. And obviously we need to get past the fact that also for you to work in your headset every day, it needs to be comfortable for you to wear it for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And right now this is, I think people have said right now um, that, uh, so I think I read in a talk recently by one of, um, by Jesse Shell, who's the, like, I think the founder of this company called Shell Games. And he said that they have a popular game on the quest the average session time was 106 minutes and so 96 minutes. And this is a game which will immerse you completely. But even then at 96 minutes, ish people are feeling the strain of wearing it um, and then taking it up. Of course, there are a lot of people who spend eight, 10 hours already, but I think that's a very small subset. So we need to solve, we, and but yeah, the, the, the rate at which we're going, I think within a few years, we can expect that problem to be solved, the resolution, et cetera, to be fixed inside so that um, it will be comfortable to wear um, through the day. And of course, right now, Facebook is the only company with a standalone headset like this company does, will enter within the next four, five, six years. And we'll see this place explode as a productivity device. And now, <laughs> I guess the final form of VR is so again, from gaming consoles to workforce tool to um, basically having it as, a, as an everyday communication device, it, replacing a smartphone with a, a VR AR device, uh, a VR AR headset. That is the end goal. And that's something which will we ever reach there? Um, is something that people can doubt. But again, you can say that if we can get to a decent form factor and 
And this is where you sort of get into a little conjecture because right now we're not sure how some of these things are happening in research labs, some of these things we're just speculating on, but having sort of like a holographic phone calls, right? I I call, I mean, um, if someone calls me, I just answer it on my headset and you like you would turn up in front of me. We wouldn't be doing this via Zoom. We would be doing this with you sitting on the couch there. Um, and us, like your hologram sitting on the couch there and us just chatting. I think even a year ago, I might have been a little like, I wouldn't understand how this could be done because how would we capture your hologram right now with like, you need to have a whole camera set up around you um, and then we would have you here. And, and so I, I, I wasn't clear on how this might happen. But within the last year, we started seeing like, I've started seeing ways of how this could happen. So NVIDIA released, I think, these AI libraries, which they just, so you can create a 3D model or an avatar of yourself. That's straightforward. Um, and then just based on, even if you're wearing just a headset or, or some glass, um, based on the way you talk and just your head movements or your um, nose movements, I, I mean, like just your face, your facial movements, they can immediately like um, estimate your entire body pose. Right. And so then if you have a, a 3D model avatar of you using AI, they can just sort of make it um, translate whatever you're doing. So you don't actually need a camera to capture. So already we're seeing how this can be done. Right. Uh -huh. So yeah. yeah. yeah very, yeah, very su super exciting space, you know, because see, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you addressed so many different uh, you know things, but and, and all so really, really cool, you know. Virtual reality, uh, I mean, I bring to this, I mean, I say, talk about this again, that it's still in this stage. We, the entire goal of virtual reality is to emulate of physical reality. That is, is the goal of virtual reality. That's the reason. Uh, if it's necessary. I think first that, but then after that, like the whole point is that in VR, you're not constrained by physical Yes, 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 yes. Obviously, yes. I mean, yeah. the, the first goal is, is to mm -hmm. emulate our physical reality, right? Come to a point where it, it can it can do exactly whatever we do in a physical world, where the lines of a physical world gets starts blurring. Post that, who stops you from designing the world? You can design anything and everything. What the only thing that could stop you is your imagination yeah. right so 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 yeah, that that's what i'm excited about you spoke about education experiential learning yes that is something which i think is going to open up in a couple of years or traditional rote learning has created students with blinders and and there is so many problems that the, the, the traditional industry i mean i could we could just obviously possibly sit here the whole day and talk about the wrongs which could get corrected with these technologies which is that offer the entire education system is, is that you are forced you go to school you there is 50 or students 60 students hold up in a classroom everybody is looking at the blackboard there is there is a book that you already have the teacher is reading that you are getting it and then you go back and you do the same thing over and uh, or again when the entire education whatever you want is available online and with virtual reality it will make it experiential we 
learn only when we touch and feel things and we experience things so virtual reality i think will completely redefine everything which is traditional and it's not just your your education your healthcare uh, your training and simulation and, and and i'm going to digress a bit over here and possibly get into there is this guy called john smart you know he has this the uh, hypothesis called the transcendent hypothesis which i think is extremely beautiful now we came into the entire human race came into existence because of two particles colliding the big bang it collided and then this 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 sub atomic particle started expanding and that's how the universe came into existence right so his hypothesis is that you know instead of us going to mars or into space or outward you know with our technology virtual reality is going to take us inwards we are going to go back into the atoms and that's yeah. what we doing we building these virtual worlds facebook is building its virtual reality social vr platform called horizon then there is uh, uh, all space there is meet in vr there is uh, improbable there is vr so, chat yeah so all of these guys are we are at the cusp of discovering what this technology can do and 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 you broached a very important subject about vr gaming i think that's going to be the big thing enterprises for me i feel that they don't get into it so the the, the people who get into new technology are always artists or, or the creative field uh, creative people so that's the reason if you see any new technology the people who get into it first will be like the gaming guys or because they are the ones who are brave and they get into it enterprise will come in later because they they realize oh i i can see the money now coming in yeah. it's completely clear and that's when i come in so talking about enterprise you guys have been building the future of uh, you you said uh, your headline on the website says building the future of enterprise of vrar so let's talk about autoverse what have you guys been doing in for uh, you know leveraging uh, Of creating products, services, solutions for enterprises. Yeah, so uh, I think for around, I mean, of course, as, as I mentioned, we started with the automotive industry, helping automotive designers use virtual reality, right? Uh, then, so there are obviously, as you said, uh, selling to enterprises is not the easiest. Um, we had complete buy-in, like say from the end users, from automotive designers themselves, but IT teams are not, enterprise IT teams are more. Um, risk averse and taking a new unproven hardware from a company like Oculus um, or even Facebook who they didn't know um, was not something that they were very keen on doing. So um, and then connecting this to their like enterprise network etc. There was significant inertia there, right? And there will be. Um, this is something that we've always known about enterprises, especially in an industry like the automotive, a more traditional industry. Um, so we quickly. Uh, i mean we needed to adapt to survive um and that's what we did so i think one place where we found an instant application of what we had already built for automotive designers was in marketing right and specifically in automotive configurators um that their marketing teams could take directly to consumers either at exhibitions or trade shows and then in the actual showroom itself so i think um, basically so say 
the the the, the marketing heads that we met of various automotive companies we worked with companies like Volvo, TBS Motors, etc. Uh, what they saw as soon as they put it on was a very very realistic virtual rendition of their product, right? Um, and then as you said, the experiential aspect of it. Uh, something we built for TBS Apache was you could, um, I mean, the Apache was obviously a more premium, almost sport, very sporty bike, um, and people who um, built for it were like people who sorry who, were, who wanted to buy it were um, motorheads who were very keen to understand the actual um, technology in the bike right and so um, with this we we actually built an experience where they could assemble the Apache on their own and actually customize it as they build it out and once they build out their customized Apache they could actually take it for a virtual test drive on like the Silverstone based track that we created a simulation of and so this was very exciting for them so we built that for them, likewise for Volvo, just giving, um, showing them how how the interiors look, um, and being able to drive it through these like Scandinavian landscapes, right? And mostly because of working with automotive designers for so long, who have a very high bar for visual quality, we were able to give this. I mean, that same visual quality for marketers was was a very big deal, and so that was immediately where we started um, getting our first deals in, um, and. So then we became part of the Bosch Accelerator, and that's sort of where we, we began expanding out of the automotive industry. First, we just helped Bosch's team who sell, um, I mean, specific teams in Bosch. They, they're obviously the world's largest automotive supplier. They sell to automotive companies. So how their tools, how their products would fit into these, these cars. So we, we built VR sales tools around it, right? So tools which within 90 seconds, like you have maybe 90 seconds to pitch to an automotive CEO uh, at a trade show, what your product can do. And this is a very complex technical product, right? Um, which sits in the engine of the car. But then he puts on a headset, he's going on a test drive, some part malfunctions and you show how your product, uh, how your product would solve that. Within 90 seconds, the their end customer has understood, okay, this, this is what this can do for me, right? And so, like you said, nothing can, teach like nothing can explain a concept better than you experiencing it for yourself and so we sort of channel that for enterprise sales and marketing um th the most interesting use case of this i think which we would have never anticipated building for when we started off was was for dishwashers right um so bosch is bosch again they have a home appliance arm uh, which does they sell dishwasher washing machines fridges etc so um their problem was that the indian consumer does not fundamentally understand our dishwasher, like does not trust that the dishwasher can clean their dishes and on a different level does not fundamentally understand how it works, right? Uh, and how they've been, so basically this was true 10, 15 years ago, the dishwasher was not very effective with cleaning the stains that we, like the, the masala that we cook with, etc. Uh, but Bosch had got like an ISO certified dishwasher, now it was actually able to do a better job than hand washing even. And, it was like obviously very energy efficient, save water, all that. Um, but it was hard to explain this to people, right? They would have like uh, at all their trade, like they would set up installments at uh, installations at say um, offices, uh, so apartment buildings, um, different trade shows, right? Everywhere. But what they would have would be like one display of the dishwasher sitting here with like um, a transparent glass case and just a water supply and it'll keep cleaning. It takes one and a half hours to do a cycle. So when it's running the whole day, people will spend two minutes looking at it. They'll see clean dishes being cleaned at the end. It wasn't very effective. So what we did with virtual reality was we built 
um, like again, an Indian kitchen. Um, people could come, they could pick up different different dishes, they could stain it with whatever they wanted, and load it into the dishwasher. And once it started running, they could actually go, they would actually go inside the dishwasher and see how it worked. And this was extremely successful for Bosch. They sold almost like their their sales jumped by around thirty five percent in the next quarter, and so they started expanding this across India. Um, it was launched in around 22 cities uh, plus they also we also made a 360 video of the experience um, which they put on YouTube etc and uh, around 12,000 Google Cardboards they distributed it to shows and, and they were seeing the benefits from it and they kept expanding um, and then it was almost like India was set the example because their um, Asia Pacific team really liked it and so we released versions of it in New Zealand, Australia, um, and in Southeast Asia, Singapore, Malaysia, and then in Germany. And then we started building for the oven, for the washing machine, et cetera. And so they were like great clients for us, but also it was a very interesting use case for VR. And this sort of sparked, um, helped us get another major client, uh, IFP. Um, obviously they're competitors to Bosch, but they were keen to take this event, like to the next level and they wanted to put VR headsets in every IFP store across the country, and they have around 500 showrooms. So that's when we signed a deal with them to do that and roll out VR experiences for all um, for all their products wow. right, uh, in 500 showrooms. And so that was, I, I believe, it's the largest VR retail deployment in the world. I haven't seen uh, a bigger one. So, but as far as I know, that is the largest. And that's been in the, that's something that we've been very proud to work on. Um, but also. At a certain level, this was us sort of just doing services, right? For a company, we would just, for each product, we'd make a storyboard, we would uh, develop the content, then we would deploy it for them. We were handling this from end to end as a, as a company, from conception to even, I mean, you know, so VR headsets are not available in India very easily. Only the HTC Vive is here. Uh, the Oculus Quest, which is obviously the device that enables deploying VR, at scale because it's just this much you don't need a computer or anything um this is not retailing in india as of now you need to import it right from the us um and there is no enterprise like support or warranty given so it's it, it, it what we do is we buy and we resell to these companies and we t- take on board the risk of servicing and maintaining this which is significant for like a company as small as us but that's what is needed for us to actually close these deals and, and take it to the end. Thankfully, we've been lucky. These devices are quite robust, so it hasn't halted <laughs> yet. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask of, um, like, say, company, I mean, people who are starting up in the VR space right now, are taking on so much risk on your own. Um, so yeah, uh, but like I said, this creating customized experiences is not a very scalable service model. I mean, scalable co- model for the company, right? It is basically just doing IT services. And so we were always thinking of what can we change here? And apparently every company we showed this to sales and marketing was typically where we'd enter. But once we did, people in training would ask, can we use this for training our employees, right? And there we, that's where we started seeing, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of research about VR training and how it can help um, you train your employees. How it's obviously more effective. I mean, again, it's it comes from, the same thing, the experiential learning, right? Um, and so, uh, I mean, so VR has been used to train, like say, Air Force pilots and in the defense and army, etc., 
for the last 30 40 years right uh, it's nothing new with this like that hardware cost costed a million dollars or more than that like several million dollars but it was very useful because why they spend that much money on it now these little devices costing 400 dollars are capable of simulations even better than that million million dollar hardware is capable of so what it automatically means is now we can bring that quality of training to every um employee out there who has a slightly who has a dangerous operational job so in the energy sector in the automotive sector in the manufacturing sector that's where we saw clients so we for bosch for tvs and then later on for shell um we built uh we, we literally built digital twins you could say of the production lines so that workers could first um i mean it would explain the concept of what they need to do on the production line but then also they could spend as much time there learning making mistakes and becoming extremely confident before they go into into the actual production line right and so that's something that really saw a huge boost in employee performance um, and several different metrics uh, reduced errors um better performance less anxiety from the employee side lower attrition these kind of things um it also helps i mean with shell one of the use cases we saw was with uh, fire response training or emergency response training right um how how would you so basically what i like to say is vr is best used for training in dire scenarios where dire is an acronym for dangerous impossible rare and expensive um so any of these use cases vr will help you simulate and like basically uh, train your employees in a very effective manner um and so basically uh, sales and marketing safety and training we were very confident in the use cases here but we were still making like customized experiences for each solution we were trying to find a way to make this more standardized and sort of help the marketers and the trainers themselves um like modify the content that we deliver in vr for them right uh and so i think over the last one year over to close of 2019 we made a conscious decision to not to to do a fewer do fewer services deal and invest on building something that would help people like basically um help our clients edit these experiences for them so we partnered with a company in italy called over it who gave us all the enterprise side stuff like um enterprise security logins uh, i mean there's the stuff that you need to sell an enterprise ready software uh, and we basically uh, for ivy we, we built out like a web portal where their marketers could change the messaging and in partnership with over it for training as well we built a tool where uh, i mean we, we were selling a tool that they could like basically like with a no code kind of platform they would be able to um create like once you we would make a 3d simulation of the space but in the exact instructions that we need to make the trainers themselves could make by just creating like a, a flow chart of sorts in this editor right and so that's been kind of the product which is now enabling scale with with all these companies and helping them deploy vr at scale and that's how we are uh, that's over the i mean we were we were on the verge of closing some really big deals on the basis of the product pandemic hit so for three four months come enterprises just weren't buying anymore but yeah slowly recovering with ultra tech recently we announced a, a deal with them where they are adopting this for field service and inspection kind of tool and i mean i'm not liberty share right now but like we, there are a lot there are a few more uh pretty large large scale enterprises who are going to be using this tool in the near future to train their employees lovely right? lovely 
Yeah. Lovely, lovely. Super, so, yeah, super. Yeah. 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 Wish you the very best. That IFP, you said mm-hmm. 500 VR headsets were deployed in the showroom. How cool is that? You know, so it's really, really cool. You, you, you spoke about uh, headsets being the, uh, the problem over here in India. So I have a startup called XR Bazaar and I'm trying to kind of solve that problem because here in India, you know, these retailers on Amazon, uh, your, your the, the headset, which, which is around $300 or $400, they sell it for double or sometimes even more yeah, than yeah. that price. You know? so, so, yeah, we are trying to solve that problem. I've tied up with a couple of brands, you know, such as Pimax, a couple of Indian VR headset, Xtel. Yeah. And I'm also having conversations with Facebook and hopefully in, in, in the... In, in, in the coming years, we would like to kind of solve that problem, you know, and, and bring all, all of these devices which could create transformation. And, and yes, I mean, uh, solve that problem because, you know, and, and not have people who are just conning the, because the, the industry will not grow if you are selling these devices which should be there at healthcare, education, enterprises. And if, they, if, if the retailers are selling for more than double or triple the price, this is not going to solve the the yeah. uh, adoption problem. So I'm, I'm trying to sol- sol- solve that. And I think that definitely, I think no code is the future. So we wish you the very best. So, so last question, and I'm going to like um, yeah. bunch of a couple of things into it because we're running. Yeah, I think we're running out of time. So what would be your advice to entrepreneurs who are keen to build the AR VR startup because uh, because I'm sure you must have had uh, quite a lot of learnings from yeah. you know building an AR VR startup. That's the first question, and the second question: the future of AR VR MR. How, how what how does it excite you, and what is the roadmap for Autobus? Yeah, so um, I think the 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 first thing I think about. Uh, so for like this advice for entrepreneurs or anyone who might be starting up in this space is so right now there's a the, the space itself like just getting a fundamental understanding of what all is in this space is is going to be a little uh, at least slightly intimidating i think because like you said now there are 360 degree videos which are captured um, with these camera setups etc and obviously they have their own use cases like you see um walmart using it for training employees um for cases like I mean, just a, a, a customer coming in and being nasty, um, uh, or uh, even I think in the US they have something like if uh, if, an, if a if a gunman enters enters your store and tries to rob you, so three sixty degree video is very effective for this kind of these kind of things, um, and also for uh, in terms of news coverage and documentaries, right? Um, it's it's very it's a very effective tool because it actually puts you um, more like immerses you in in that top in that topic and helps you understand and like uh, relay like understand these in these um, like whatever the what is the point of the documentary might be more thoroughly. So that is that's one entire uh, that's one thing which gets clubbed under VR. But that's how that works. Then you have like I said gaming. Right. Uh, so with gaming, so the, usually when people start up, they are um, like the, the goal is obviously, and I think our whole startup, um, all the startup gurus and advice that you have is all about like scale fast, move fast and break things, these kind of, of um, like th- this is mostly the motto, right? They, like high risk, high reward kind of 
situation. Right now, gaming is probably the only place where you're going to get that kind of growth because in order to get that crazy scale, you need to have the ecosystem at a certain level, right? right. And uh, only because Facebook has invested a lot in building a gaming ecosystem and parallel even Steam um, and Valve with that and with Half-Life Alex, they've invested in gaming um, and all the early work that like basically the like the game the game the VR gaming ecosystem is the most developed of all applications in VR. That's where you're going to see stratospheric growth. So if, if that is what you want, then at this, uh, if that's why you, you want to start up in this space is, is crazy growth, then that like you need to be building a game, right? Um, then you get to yeah, enterprise side and maybe it's training, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's productivity, maybe it's communication, maybe it's like, conf- like VR conferencing. There are lots of applications down that road. Uh, but yeah, when you are selling to enterprises, there is always going to be a limit again to your scale. And enterprises are naturally like just slow it. I mean, especially your largest clients. Um, B2B is going to take time and you need to be ready to invest in like in solving a problem, not just solving a problem, but also in salesmen and and, uh, like people who can actually like get you in touch with the right stakeholders and convince them into adopting your product, right? And uh, right now, there is no VR company who has on the B two B side who maybe has a higher than hundred million dollar valuation. Maybe one at most, but um, it's not it's not easy at all, right? Um, so you need to be prepared for at least at minimum five to 10 year commitment to make that work. It could happen sooner, but I'm saying you should mentally prepare yourself for that. But overall, yeah, I think it's more of a VR has like, I think a lot of people have approached me asking me for advice and from what you've done in this space. Uh, And my first thing would be like, I think it's just generic advice for any entrepreneur, not just like in the VR space. Understand what you want to do and what drives you and be prepared for a significant commitment of time, like for, for four or five years at the very least, I would think. Um, and in this space, especially, like you need to see the ecosystem develop for you to achieve that crazy scale. So be patient, right? Um, and be very aware of these limitations before you dive in. I think what excites me the most personally would be, um, so, Obviously, uh, right now, the, the use case again is talking about is remote work, but I think more than that, just sort of hanging out with people in like across the world immediately, right? That is something which I think would be very, very exciting. I, I mean, growing up, I had a lot of like family or friends like move away, right? They would, um, and when obviously, when you're growing up in the 90s or the, or the 2000s, if someone moves away, then you've basically just lost all contact with them. Obviously, now you reestablish contact with like Facebook and stuff. But with once VR becomes like ubiquitous and everywhere, that sort of won't matter anymore, right? And uh, as a consequence, it, it's much more. It's much easier to spend time with the people you love, etc. But also another thing, um, I think, is that uh, all of a sudden the people who you get in contact with are no longer limited. Like you're no longer limited by distance, um, and so. I think we're already seeing this happen with the internet where someone who might be in a random corner of the world who has very niche interests, they can just go on to like Twitter or Reddit 
and find a random community who who has who has as obsessive an interest about that niche topic and till like so far you're you're limited to interacting with them via comments and like a little forum um, and already that feels so engaging and we sp- I, i'm sure like everyone here spent so much time on social media in general right but now all of a sudden imagine that instead of a more like this more destructive way of interacting with these communities via a tiny phone limited by just sending texts um, you can you can hang out with them in a virtual play space and engage with them and when you're interacting with them in this kind of way the kind of ideas that that will unlock the kind of i mean basically we already the internet has has helped us like work together so much more efficiently i think once vr reaches that point it's going to unlock even more like i guess human potential in the pal is that which uh, is that's kind of what excites me the most about this lovely 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 thank you thank you ashwin it was a pleasure uh, to talk to you understand your insights i can feel your passion i i think you're one of the startups in in uh, a few years time you guys have achieved quite some major things in a very short time i wish you the very best keep on doing what you're doing and i think i i, I really hope and i wish that the ecosystem comes together and that's what i have been doing and that's i, I think that's my role as an evangelist here in india to get the investors to get the government get the marketers get the technologists everybody everybody under one platform because this is inevitable augmented yeah. reality what you already mixed reality all all of these technologies inevitably it, it, it's it's coming and it's coming very very fast we as humans we as individuals we as enterprises uh, we as institutions we as gov- government uh, we need to come together and understand that these technologies are going to play a huge major role in human evolution in a personal life in a businesses and this is the right time covid has possibly accelerated and got got the right eyeballs or the attention on digital technology which it actually deserves and which has been ignored for the longest time i hope that people come together and understand that you said something very profound so far with social media uh, you know we are getting possibly destructive with the comments the nasty comments and things like that maybe virtual reality will be able to create a global world where geography will be history where like you pointed out uh, in in your conversation earlier that there'll be holographic avatars where we could be sitting in our own possible world but our world could be designed or imagined to our preference we could have possibly thousands of people or friends from all around the world sitting together in that virtual space maybe interacting maybe learning maybe doing business and i wish that we whatever we do i hope that we create a better future better world where yeah. we take this tool and and, and create something you know that helps everyone because so far technology is a double edged sword you know and and if it's in a hand of few it can be used for a destructive purpose and to possibly yeah. even create a surveillance society the only way we can create a b- better world is when 
the common people and everybody comes together and not you know have it held by just the government or the small set of people or the billionaires rule you you know so we yeah. t- today yeah, because that that equity of opportunity is 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 mostly what uh, what it should enable like right now if you're starting a company in say san francisco you are at a much bigger advantage than someone starting a company in bangalore who is still at a much bigger advantage than someone starting a company in a tier two or tier three town right like we we still got to, like we've gotten to this spot for like four years down the line because the people that we have met uh, mostly in bangalore at these uh, at, at bigger companies who have turned into our clients have all believed in us and have sort of bought into that bangalore startup ecosystem right and 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 that's helped us so much to get to this point someone with the same resources and the same um i mean who might have started up in a different location than me in in india would not have been fortunate fortunate enough to get this and so ideally with vr these kind of barriers won't exist anymore um already i can feel it with like say i it, it's been possible for me to attend conferences in i mean in sf and vancouver etc by just putting on a vr headset and then actually go and network with people there which has led to certain opportunities that i don't think would have ever been possible before and that's basically and again right like why do the best universities the best education have to be limited to the people who have the resources maybe to travel to those places um already there by just putting these talks online we're helping but but putting talks online putting lectures online is one is a certain level but actually being in a classroom interacting with your peers interacting with your teacher that is what we are can do we can actually bring the like bring more of that experience directly to you even if you are in some obscure like village anywhere in the world right lovely lovely yes yeah, so that's that's what excites me and i i yeah. hope that we we leverage this tool and and india is such a great country you said uh, the, the rural area i mean you know there there is we, we still have a large population which is still not educated maybe vr maybe internet maybe 5g could solve the problem in that note i mean i i really hope and i pray that you know we have these technologies coming in creating a better world to my listeners if you like what you see in here please press the subscribe button like next time see you guys bye thank you thank you ashwin it was a pleasure to have you on thank you so much yeah. thank you this is great thanks a lot